Screw It, We're Just Gonna Talk About Comics is brought to you by Shortbox. That's right. Somebody wanted to partner with us. Shortbox is an app and a website for safely buying and selling graded comic books. You can get it on iOS, Android, even a regular old computer. And they're trusted by the most respected dealers and collectors in the industries. And Shortbox trusts us. Therefore... We have worth. Amazing. Uh, right now, they're doing a giveaway where you can win a free copy of The Dark Knight Returns number one, the 2018 printing signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. <laughs> Go to shortbox.com slash screw it to enter your email. No purchase necessary to be in the running. And that contest is going until March 10th, 2022. Download Shortboxed today. I will. Screw it. Screw it. We're just Comics. Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. Yes, this is the only podcast on the face of the planet where two brothers discuss comic books. Uh, I'm one of those brothers slash kind of comedians, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other brother slash kind of comedian, Will Hines. You can see that we're brothers because we both said the same last name. That's right. It's that attention to detail. That and makes these, our audience special. Then our characters of Kevin Hines and Will Hines that we've crafted over the years these are like our alan partridge type characters oh yeah this is a under deep cover deep comedic character mm -hmm. these hugely broad energy choices that you hear us making the result of years of fine comic timing mm -hmm. and, and chops yeah people have been following these characters since the uh late 70s uh, <laughs> early 80s and uh you know we come we come along in different formats and people kind of follow us along and Right now we're doing a comic book podcast as these characters. As these characters. But yeah. previously we've done um, improv shows. Mm -hmm. We've done... We were uh, in jazz trio for a while. Mm -hmm. We used to do Thanksgiving dinners. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about comic books now. And this is our Dark Knight Returns season. That's the four-issue uh, magnum opus uh, epic storyline by Frank Miller... Claus Jansen and Lynn Varley that came out in 1986 that changed Batman forever. And uh, we're on issue three, Hunt the Dark Knight, the Joker issue. Yeah. Um, it, it, we talked about this the last two episodes. It just can't be overstated what an impact this comic book had. Uh, the, you know, the Tim Burton movie doesn't exist without this. I, I keep thinking back about that. Michael Keaton was on... Uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast a little while ago. Yeah. Uh, very recently at the time of this recording, but a little while ago from when we released this podcast. Right. And even, plan, we plan to release this in 2030. Uh, in 2030, yeah. And in this episode, Michael Keaton mentions, like, while they were working on this Batman movie and no one knew if it was going to work and people didn't necessarily like Michael Keaton in the role and they definitely were curious about if Tim Burton was the right guy for this role. Um, but he was like, oh, there wasn't... He's like, I... In hindsight, there was a lot of pressure, but to us, it was just sort of like, oh, this either works or it doesn't. Yeah. There was no exist pre-existing Batman movies that they had to live up to. He's like, I would have hated to have been the guys who followed, not necessarily because they weren't good or we were better, but because now there's an expectation. Yeah. Um, and then when he's talking, I was like, all we really had to go on is The Dark Knight Returns. Huh. He, he's like, name checks. He's like, we just, that comic, like, we'd look at that and be like, okay, so this is kind of how Batman is. <laughs> Oh, that's very cool that he name-checked it directly. So he used they used Dark Knight Returns to be like, who is Batman? Um, what kind of normal, non-obsessed, non-heightened yeah. character is Batman? They turned to the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And definitely the look and feel of Dark Knight Returns was a huge impact on that movie. 
uh, which, you know, that movie then launched a bunch of other Batman movies, which for sure made it easier to launch more superhero movies. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's crazy to say, like, there's no X-Men movie if the Batman movies didn't work. Or if if there is, it's much later on or a very different thing. Yeah. Um, And then without the X-Men movies, is there an MCU? No. And then are there movies? No movies. So there's no more movies anymore without this comic book. Um, That's how important it is. Um, We're doing the Joker issue. The Joker, of course, being the main villain in Batman. Yeah, his arch nemesis. Yeah. And Kevin, what's your feelings on how the Joker is portrayed in this issue? Um, It's good. Is that that boring (laughs) answer? I I like it. Uh, It fits the story. Yeah, it's definitely, as a kid, some of the um, uh, sexuality of it. I think I missed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I noticed he was wearing lipstick, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, do you mean how he calls Batman darling? He calls Batman darling and he wears lipstick, which is like things that he didn't do in comic books or the 19, uh, 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 whatever it was, uh, 70s TV show. Right. 60s. 60s. Uh, 66? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, so it, it definitely is like a very charged version of the joker uh that aspect of it he's also a big time murderer (laughs) uh, um which he is now in comics as well like this i don't know what joker was like in the regular comics regular comics in the 80s pre-dark night i do know like my opinion of what the joker was for a long time was like a guy who caused a lot of chaos and occasionally killed a few people right and now he is for sure in comics a mass Murderer, not even a serial killer. Like he kills by the hundreds, if not thousands, every time he is loose. Yeah. Um, but even in this comic, like they mentioned, he's killed I think six hundred people total. Yeah. And I guess the thirty years or twenty years that he was doing it. Yeah. That that's a lot of people. I realize, but spread out over twenty years, it isn't like I feel like he kills six hundred people every storyline now in DC Comics. Yeah. Um, I don't generally like my Joker to be that much of a murderer because once. Once you get into the, like, you know, uh, someone blew up the, the the Twin Towers in New York. If, like, one guy did that, we caught him. I'd be okay with, like, that guy being there killed. Would, there would not be public outcry. Especially if, like, executed. it was the fifth time he did it. <laughs> right, right, right. And it would be like, oh, you know, we just got to kill this guy. <laughs> I feel like we failed him a little bit. <laughs> we kept letting him out, and he kept doing these sorts of things. But at this point, we we can't fix him. We've got to kill him to save more lives. And at a certain point, that line is easier to look at in the sand. Uh, and if the Joker crosses that line, I'm like, well, then Batman should kill him. And we'd be forgive- We'd forgive him for that one. Uh, if he killed everyone he went up against, we wouldn't like it. But this one, I think, would be okay. And I don't like having that moral quandary in my mind. I like it being like, Batman shouldn't kill the Joker killed a few people. Batman should not kill him. That's mm-hmm. somebody else's job to decide. He just catches them. Yeah. Uh, in this comic... Uh, by this point, the Joker should be killed. <laughs> in the Dark Knight movie with Christian Bale, I, I don't know. It's the first time I guess the Joker's done it. He should be definitely captured and thrown away. If he yeah. got out again, then he should be killed. Yeah. Uh, so th- I, I sort of think that way. I, I, I guess, yeah, I'm uh, conflicted about the amount of murder. But in this comic book that's already so hyper-violent, yeah. it'd be weird if the Joker didn't kill. Yeah, in this story, where Gotham City is full of, like, teenage gangs that are mm-hmm. committing atrocities left and right, and the news is reporting things like woman explodes in subway station. Yeah. 
If you want the Joker to be your top dog villain, he sort of has to go over the top, and he does. And I'm definitely impacted by the animated series where that Joker didn't really kill because it was a kid's cartoon. And, yeah. like, he would, you know, use his Joker gas, but it was, like, a curable thing. Yeah. It had some imp- – it would like, it was tough to get it out of your system, and you'd have it for a while. But yeah. you could eventually be normal again. Right. And so, like, that Joker threatened to kill a lot and never did because it was on – afternoons for kids yeah uh and i like that joker he still seems like a big threat you'd still want that guy in he jail still seemed crazy and yeah. unpredictable um so that's sort of my feeling about that um anyway this issue is really fun it, it weirdly is probably my least favorite issue uh-huh um but i don't I, I mean i love all the four issues so that's like saying uh return of the jedi is the least good original trilogy Star Wars movie. It's like, I love Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, it's just a little bit worse than Empire and New Hope. It's interesting to see what he does with Joker, I think, compared to the mutant leader, because the mutant leader, like we said last episode, is a character he made up, Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. So, like, he can do whatever he wants with that guy. The Joker yeah. has the weight of comics history and expectations. So there's a strength and a weakness. The strength is all you have to do is show the Joker's face and reveal that they're letting him out for a talk show appearance and the suspense begins mm-hmm. because you already know what a monster this guy is. The bad side is like if you want to do anything different than what we expect, you got to earn your right to do that. What I really like about this issue, my favorite part of this issue is not the Joker part, it's Robin. Like this is like Robin sort of became part of the team last issue. Mm-hmm. But also Batman just met her last issue and this time she's like fully Robin and she's much more involved and it's very fun. In this storyline, watching her like jump across buildings next to Batman and yeah. be directly involved in taking down the Joker. Like she doesn't chase the Joker, but she is there at the amusement park dealing with the after effects of this. One of the big splash pages in this issue is an image of Batman and Robin kind of just jumping in the air and it yeah. looks great. Yeah. Batman looks the size of ten people and she <laughs> looks the size of half a person. Yeah. But it looks cool. Yeah. Um and Carrie Kelly looks happy. She's got that joy that balances out the Bruce Wayne grimness nicely. Yeah. Um, let's get into it. Sure, let's do it. So this is in a comic book. Let me this find is in a it. comic book, and what they use is pictures to mm, communicate okay. a lot of the information. And then there are words. I don't read. Juxtaposed with those mm, pictures. I don't read, and I don't like. Oh, the pictures. other thing in this issue is the arrival of Superman. I'm more into the gutters of comics. Yeah, you like the space in between. You're like Count the Count Basie of comics readers. <laughs> it's the space between the pictures. Uh, great. I'm on. I'm in it. Uh, you know, yeah, Superman also arrives in the story, so he's um, yeah. largely just kind of hinted at and seen as a blur. Mm-hmm. Um, we do eventually see Superman in his costume, but it's not in Gotham. It's in another country Yeah, taking care of a war. So, um, And that subplot is building to the last issue. The last issue where Superman is the, ma- the main antagonist. Um, it's very, you know, very fun. Miller, I feel like really um, uh, distinguishes the difference in power level of Superman and Batman, where Superman is basically a god who can do whatever he wants, and Batman is just a strong, obsessive guy, right? And I feel like if you're just a... When you're a kid, you kind of put Superman and Batman equal in your head. They're sort of equally famous. They're equally distinctive. They work together. You see them on cartoons together. So they're just like two strong guys who do good stuff, and one of them can fly. In a weird Mm -hmm. way, you flatten that in your head. Yeah. And... uh, Frank Miller's not the only one to do this, but this comic is one of the ones that really makes sure you know, no, Superman is on his whole other level that Batman can't touch. Yeah. 
Uh, two thoughts on that. Uh, the old Super Friends cartoon, uh, especially the last few years when Darkseid was the main villain. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I loved about watching that as a far too old uh, person, because I would watch that as a teenager and probably even into college, and I enjoyed them. Yeah. Because uh, there weren't a lot of superhero cartoons, so I took what I could get. But in those cartoons, largely the plan would lar- often be take Superman out of the picture, capture the Super Friends. Yeah. Then Superman would show up. Free all his friends and defeat all the villains. Yeah, like you almost like don't in, need the in rest. a second. Yeah, and it just sort of be like, why? Why do we need Apache Chief? Why, uh, why do we friends? need Batman? <laughs> Wait, why do we need any of them? Why do we need Green Lantern, who's very powerful? It's just like Superman did it all. <laughs> yeah, and like there's a number of episodes where it just feels like Darkseid Skull was like, let's just get Superman out of the picture. We can easily handle the rest of them. Just <laughs> <laughs> so insulting. It'd be, I mean, it's sort of like um, a Michael Jordan Bulls, right? It's like, oh, Michael Jordan's not playing. Great. Except I mean, even that team was pretty good, but like it's what it feels like. So. The, the the reason I bring this up before we go into the issue is uh, there's a lot of like the the comic has a lot of fun of hinting about Superman's arrival, yeah. And we see stuff from his point of view, but we don't see him. And the only sort of giveaway is the context clues of what he is saying, mm-hmm. and that the captions are in blue. Yeah. Um, although sometimes Batman's captions are in blue, but in this issue, this the, well, the, Superman's the, are bright blue. Yeah. The, uh, Superman blue, you could say. Superman blue. And or he'll come streaking by. And I think the first time I read it, I was reading it so fast because I was lazy and impatient that I didn't maybe always get the Superman references. And now I read them and they're so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be like someone will be like more powerful than a locomotive. And I'd be like, I wonder who that's talking about. Yeah. But like who else would that be talking about? But because you don't see him, it weirdly is like a little bit complicated. I, yeah. I, can't, I don't know. And we hadn't read a ton of Superman comics at this point. We we had a couple digests of some random yeah. what if Elseworld stories and things like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing about Superman and Batman is, and I don't know again in the eighties what this their situation was, but they were super friends. They were in the Justice League together. They were pals. They're allies. Um, they worked together largely. And this set up or amplified them sort of not getting along all the well, way, all that well. And it does sort of make sense because Superman is this sort of bastion of hope. He flies overhead and everyone's like, we're going to be okay. He doesn't wear a mask. Yeah. You can see his face. When he showed up, everyone was immediately like, that's a hero. And Batman isn't that way. Batman trades on fear. Right. Batman's whole thing is everyone's scared. And if people feel good that I'm out, it's because they don't have to fear me. Yeah. Um. Which is not how Batman, Superman operates at all. People aren't yeah. afraid of Superman. They believe in Superman. They're afraid of Batman. Yeah. Batman is the boogeyman. Superman is the hero. Um, so they do operate so differently. And I can see Superman not liking how Batman operates. And Batman, somebody who has trained his whole life to do this, and then almost like Lex Luthor, somebody shows up who can do it all better and easily because he was born with these amazing powers. Yeah, It's got to be like, well, you're... That's just going to corrupt you. You're, you're you're too powerful. Yeah. I had to earn this so you know I'm going to use it right. Yeah. I fought for everything I can do except for his billions of dollars. <laughs> uh, well, Superman just sort of like sits in the sun for five minutes and can shoot lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. I can see Batman being like, I can't trust this guy. And in later comics and like the animated series again, they play up that sort of thing that like eventually Superman, Batman is like, I guess I can trust Superman I've now seen him enough and see this guy really is good. Yeah. And Superman learns, yeah, Batman operates on fear, but this guy's a good guy deep down. I now know him. Yeah, I trust him. I can him. trust him. I can give him kryptonite in case I go bad. No, he will 
take me. He'll be willing to take me down if he has to. I know I can trust him to get that done. Yeah. And those sorts of cool things that kind of come up in the comics. This plays up the antagonism of them, but it makes sense. If it wasn't already in comics, it makes a good sense to me. How many people do you know who are Batman guys? Where like Batman's their guy? I think I know way more Batman people. More people like Batman than Superman. Yeah, I can think of more people who like are, oh, I love Batman comics. I mm-hmm. read Batman comics. I'm into them. Uh, Gerard Mulligan, uh, Milligan, who was on our uh, podcast. Sure. Um, just like friends of mine I'm in the in my yeah. superhero. But how many people are Superman guys? I know one. I know only one for sure. Uh, Michael, Michael Hartney. Michael Hartney. Yeah, yeah Michael Hartney's a big time Superman guy. And makes a good case for it. He's very fun. He was on my old podcast, Don't Get Me Started, yeah. talking about Superman, and it was great. Like, he made a really good... Not that I <laughs> disliked Superman, yeah. but he he made a good case of how that character is kind of supposed to work. I mean, I love Superman. Yeah. Um, Batman is a hair cooler, uh, and I think a lot a lot of that is his villains are a little cooler. Yeah, like I think Lex Luthor is a very cool villain, and then Brainiac's okay, and then you get what well, like what Mixoplex Toy Man. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it, it drops off. Parasite's pretty cool, but I, I, he feels like a more modern one. He's like a Jim Shooter creation. Yeah. So where Batman, his rogues gallery is like, you know, they're villains. They're so Maybe colorful. Maybe it's easier to tell stories when the hero can't just automatically win also. Sure, you have to tell very different stories. Um, but I think there's something very fun about Superman stories. Stories about like hope and believe and love. Yeah. And I think those get dismissed very easily. But when you read a good one of those, it's almost better than a good Batman story. Like a good Batman story is like, it's like noir. Like Frank Miller's doing the best version of Batman. Yeah. This sort of noir gritty things. But the best Superman stories are the ones where it's just like, oh, I feel good. I mean, the first Superman movie makes you feel great. Like, Christopher Reeve really, really hit that Boy Scout energy so perfect, and Richard Donner. And even when Batman and Superman team up, I think those largely become Superman stories, even if Batman is the main character, because Batman believes in Superman, and that just makes those comics, those stories, like, yeah. positive. Uh, I've quoted this to you before, and I can't remember the comic, so it'll be a classic Screw it. Well-researched thing. But there's this comic I read recently where Batman rescues somebody and they're sort of out of it or something. And they're like, my favorite superhero is Superman. Yeah. My favorite hero is Superman. And Batman just goes, mine too. That's really, I love it. It's yeah. like, of course he would be. Uh, and that like is a Superman story. Even the Superman is not in that three panels. Uh, there is a little bit in this issue. Um, uh, and Superman's oh. love of Lois is like, whenever Batman's in a relationship, it just feels doomed. It just feels like maybe it's meant to be like, oh, it's so hot, Batman and Catwoman together or something. <laughs> but it's it doesn't feel like, oh, this is true love. It feels like, oh, you're two broken people. Where Superman and Lois feel like, oh, of course you guys should be together. You're both so amazingly great. Yeah. That's the sort of celebrity couple you're like, I hope you never break up. And Batman yeah. and Catwoman get together. You're like, all right, we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> so I think there's sides on both. But Batman's cooler. You know, um, Wolverine is liked more than Cyclops. It's just like yeah. Batman is liked more than Superman. The dark, troubled characters tend to be more interesting. Yeah. Um, this book plays up the in this future world. Um, superheroes have sort of been quietly banned, and but Superman is allowed to exist probably because they couldn't stop him, but also because he sort of works with the United States yeah. government and kind of does what they say. We see him involved in military operations, yeah. which generally is not something you see Superman do, except maybe old World War II comics mm-hmm. or something like that. But like, and this is kind of what Watchmen would play up six months later with the character of Doctor Manhattan, even more powerful than mm-hmm. Superman spends the first part of his career as working for the U.S. government 
and changing the geopolitical picture, America basically can do whatever it wants because it has God on its side. Yeah, I don't remember how overt it's laid out, but basically a Superman is, all the other superheroes are told they can't do it. Superman's like, but, you know, what if there's like a hurricane or something and I need to help out? Like, okay, but you got to follow our rules. And he's willing to like kind of lose face and look like a lackey if it means he's in a position to save people. He's like, well, you know what? I don't, I'm not doing it for the accolades. I'm doing it to save people. If this is the way I can save people, then that's what I'm going to do. Like, it does feel like if the U.S. government asked him to go, like, murder some people, he'd be like, no. Yeah. But if it's like, stop a war, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, all right. right. Now we're going to get into it. Great. And the first four panels are Superman POV panels, Will. Yeah. We, which we, the probably we did not realize as kids. Bruce, you idiot. You'll ruin everything for all of us. I always knew you would. And we see, like... We're way up in the clouds, then we're flying down on a cityscape, then closer to the mm-hmm. buildings, and now approaching the street. And this is Superman flying into Gotham. Because it also just feels like a movie opening where you, like, pan down into the city. So Yeah. Uh, we cut. So our opening real sequence, though, is a liquor store robbery where a giant female woman with a Nazi symbol mm-hmm. pasted on both of her breasts and two little henchmen in, like, matching sort of Third Reich-ish kind of outfits are holding up a liquor store. And they're ta- calling her Bruno, and it was Bruno a character who exists. They're referring to her basically as Joker's girlfriend. Um, yeah, I don't. Not she's not a character that exists outside this comic. Is that what you're asking? Right. Yeah, because here in like the second panel, the liquor store guy who's got a gun in his face says to Bruno, "Your boys used to be mutants, so I guess since their boss got ass his ass flattened, they'll work for anybody." Referring to the consequences of last issue. Then he says, "Guess with your boyfriend in the loony bin, you got to pay for your own body work." The only boyfriend in the loony bin that we've seen is yeah, the Joker. Right. So I guess this is Joker's lady. This is a pre-Harley Quinn Well, it universe. also it seems like this is a trans character, right? That the work they've gotten done is, it's not a, I mean, it's a female identifying. Oh, right, right. A former yeah. uh, man who's had surgery. Yeah, nice work. You can barely see the stretch marks. Uh, Bruno's not having it. I'll strip your flesh with my teeth. Yeah. Then a totally normal... Um, Woman comes out of the back, sort of dressed in piles of rags and layers. Thief, you're a thief. Seven Eleven sells this for two fifty. Like, Kevin, this like, is Batman. This is like green skin. This is like some sort of freak monster. It's really weird. It's a Tim Burton level disguise. It does it, not look like a homeless person. It looks like a monster, a swamp yeah, a monster. creature, sort of a Hansel and Gretel level witch. Um, but it's Batman. The henchmen don't know that. They put a gun in Batman in the disguised face, and then we go to Batman's. Thought balloons. He's young. He's quick. He almost pulls the trigger. Uh, but then Batman begins to uh, foil this robbery, takes out the two henchmen with batarangs. Yeah, it's very fun watching this character jump around like Batman, uh, flipping and, and dodging and throwing batarangs. It's very, very fun. Uh, as these as Batman takes down the two thugs, Bruno runs off and the liquor store owner puts a gun on one of the thugs that's on the ground and Batman turns around and says, pull that trigger and I'll be back for you, <laughs> which is very cool in Batman. Um, we cut away to a press conference where the president, who looks like Ronald Reagan, which was the president at the time this comic came out, mm-hmm. is sort of deflecting questions of what to do about Batman. He deflects it to the governor of Gotham's state, which I don't know what state that is. Yep, it's not said. And then uh, the, that governor deflects to the mayor of Gotham City, the mayor deflects to the new police commissioner, Ellen Yindel. So once again, the politicians are shown like weak-willed yeah. little wimps. But Ellen Yindel has made her position clear. She's anti-Batman. Yeah. 
uh, Batman is asking Robin to get Bruno to run into this alley. Get mm-hmm. her into the alley. Do not let her see you. I repeat, do not let Bruno see you. This is an order. Uh, Robin uses a slingshot, hits Bruno, is immediately seen. <laughs> uh, Bruno chases Robin into the alley. She flings herself up a um, fire escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we begin the Superman hints. Yeah, this is all sort of intercut. See, this is confusing, right? Like, yeah. if you're, I mean, you were a kid reading this. I think this is like kind of narratively sort of demanding. Yeah, but I think as a kid, I didn't read the TV stuff, so I'm just reading the Batman and Robin stuff. I'm probably not even looking at the newspapers get blown away. I'm just like, oh, that's not a Batman part. So, but we do cut to a TV screen part, and a reporter's saying to somebody, uh, "Sunflower Standish has operated his corner newsstand for 15 years. Never seen the like of what struck Seventh Avenue." And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it. My magazine's newspaper started blowing. It was too fast, faster than anything. We see the newspapers being blown by. Right. And then we see the anchor. One of them says, faster than a speeding. And the other one interrupts, careful now, Lola. And apparently they're not allowed to mention the existence of Superman. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something like I missed when I read this the first yeah. time. I was like, faster than a speed. Well, whatever. I don't know. Who cares? Like like you say, I was gleaning by the TV screens mm-hmm. stuff kind of fast. So we cut back to the pursuit of Nazi Bruno. Um, uh, Batman has gotten Bruno to chase him into one of the many abandoned buildings that always seems to be around Batman when he's dealing with crooks. There's also a cool thing here where Batman leaps down onto Bruno and uh, says to himself or narrates, never meant to give her time to cock that thing, meaning the gun. This would be a stupid death. And up till now, it's been this will be a good death. This would be a fine death. Like this uh, in issue one would have been a good death to him. He's fighting crime and he dies. This is not he doesn't want to die now fighting a thug. It's got to be bigger than that. Um, Like his expectations for what he should be doing is growing. He's no longer he no longer wants to die as much. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, lucky, lucky old man. He's often narrating about his physical limitations. We're always being reminded that he's old. Mm hmm. Um, he lands on Bruno, and he has said already he wants to find out what the Joker's plans are. Well, for the... before that, we have another cut to Superman, right? Yes. This uh, uh, oh, right. This jerk guy pushes somebody on crutches down in front of a train because they, like, bumped into him. I, he says they're a beggar. It's not clear from the drawing. They don't look like a beggar. They just look like someone with crutches. Um, and then, like, a big gust of wind happens, and this guy who pushed the guy on crutches gets also knocked in front of the train and then something stops the train and we cut back to the anchors and says something more powerful than a locomotive right tom and tom says lola the last thing we need is trouble with the fcc so that storyline is still continuing right batman's still beating up nazi bruno Mm -hmm. Uh, there's rumbling underground a blue streak streaks through this battle of Batman and the Bruno through a brick wall and we hear Batman say not him not now mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to know this is Superman the room goes hot metal explodes we see Bruno's gun light up red hot and then pipes wrap around yeah he's moving so fast no one can see him which is really cool uh, Batman pulls off his mask I'm busy tonight you've just cost me hours tomorrow morning my place stay out of my way until then and, and then Superman the agrees. Shoots away, yeah. The blue streak bursts through the roof of a building and up into the sky. Something hurls itself into the sky. Something leaps a tall building with a single bound. Carrie Kelly is watching. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fun. Superman is the big giant myth is a good time. Yeah. Um, Batman uh, gets mad at Carrie Kelly for being seen. My orders were specific. 
Uh, and then we have a nice splash page of them just jumping uh, far too high. There's no buildings near them. It doesn't make sense. It looks so cool. <laughs> um, Ditko would not approve of this. He would want buildings past them. But And Frank Miller, it's all about uh, heightening everything, yeah. including how far Batman and Robin leap in the sky. Uh, and Batman continues, still, you made yourself visible to Bruno. I will not tolerate insubordination. Careful. He's saying careful because they're jumping across buildings. And uh, Robin doesn't care about any of that. She just asks, but back there, was that him? So cool. Um, we also have this cool thing with Gordon. We cut the Gordon's retirement ceremony. Um, <laughs> what a speech he gives her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce you to you, your new police commissioner. I do not envy her the next few years. The job has few friends. The best you can hope for is that when you're finished with it, things aren't as lousy as they would have been without you. Not even they will be better. Yeah. Uh, Ellen Yindel is eminently qualified for this job. To attempt to quote her outstanding record in the minutes I'm allowed would be a disservice to her. Rather, I offer her my sympathy and the knowledge of what she faces. <laughs> I'm going to cut to the rest of his speech, even though it jumps around. She faces a city of thieves and murderers <laughs> and honest people too frightened to hope. Jesus. She faces life and death decisions every hour to come. Some will torture her. <laughs> she will face a man who is a living spirit of... Something we need, something we, sorry, uh, she will face the man, a man who has the living spirit of something we need. She may be his enemy. She may learn from him. I wish her well. Thank you and goodbye. I mean, what an insane uh, speech. I, it's like in this big banquet, everybody's in tuxedos and black ties. I love, that's the most he ever comes. It's telling Yendel, I think you should trust Batman. Yeah. Um, um, he basically says like, she's going to, she's going to make him in the enemy, but maybe she can learn from him. And then Yendel, I love Ellen Yendel. Yeah. Steps up. Standing ovation for Police Commissioner Yindel. Thank you. I'm honored to share the stage with James Gordon. He spoke of decisions. Now I must make my own. Despite Gotham's plague of crime, I believe our only recourse is law enforcement. I will not participate in the activities of a vigilante. Therefore, as your police commissioner, I issue this arrest order for Batman on charges of breaking and entering, assault and battery, creating a public menace. Yeah. I mean, story-wise, it is exciting. It's really cool. I love that Yindel is a good cop and otherwise great at her job. Yeah. It makes it uh, it makes it a better story than if she was sort of some corrupt lackey that was put in this position to take Batman down, but it was otherwise incompetent. It's like, Batman's going to beat that person. It also Batman's going to show that person up. She also is not doing it out of ego, right? She's right. not, like, threatened by Batman and wants to show she's more powerful. She's like, I believe in law enforcement. He's yeah. breaking the law. Quest, you know, yeah. no more questions. You don't make exceptions, even for Batman. And, uh, uh, which is a fair stance for a police commissioner to have. Absolutely. Um, and, but it's easier to take that fair stance if they're good at their job. If they were corrupt and taking bribes, it'd be like, well. I mean, in the world of Gotham, I think she stands out as a noble person. Yeah. Um, uh, while okay. this is going on, Batman and Robin uh, go to like wherever Bruno's place was and find a like a doll, like a little ugly kid's doll. Right. The introduction of these dolls. The the bomb maker who made Two-Face's sabotaged bomb uh, is is really Joker's guy, and he's making these bombs for the Joker, and they are basically living robots who are also bombs. Yeah, I mean... The technology is not clear to me. They seem like they are alive, almost, because it doesn't just, like, have pre-programmed talk. It, like, responds to what's being said. Robin sees it and goes, ew. And the doll says, ew yourself, bitch. Batman grabs her and pulls her back, and it explodes. <laughs> um, I don't know how Batman knew it was a bomb, but he's Batman. So we cut to the sort of first, really, the first big event of this, which is that um, Batman and Superman, not first big event, the, the next big event here in the story is Superman is at Wayne Manor talking 
to Bruce Wayne. So it's Clark Kent talking to Bruce Wayne. Well, we get a little glimpse, and maybe this is set up earlier, that uh, the Joker is going to be on... Oh, David Letterman. Yeah. The equivalent of David Letterman. David Letterman, like something endocrine. I forget what it was. David Endocrine. Yeah. Um, it's David. It's going to be on basically. It's drawn to look like David Letterman. Yeah, uh, the Joker's going to be on that. But then, yes, we cut to Superman standing in a beautiful backyard of Gotham Manor, shirt open down to his belly button. Uh, um, an I eagle mean, flies by. Uh, it's the caption. Uh, I mean, he's drawn like a god. Yeah. And the caption says, and this is from Bruce's point of view. There's just the sun and the sky and him. Like, he's the only reason it's all here. Then he ruins everything by talking. Um, and Superman is still young, right? Clark looks as young as we might see him in a modern comic. Makes yep. sense, right? He's Superman. He ages differently than us. Um, it's as if we're all living on the beach from old, except for Superman. <laughs> Good modern reference. <laughs> um, so Clark basically... You're not a young man anymore, Bruce. Maybe if you learn to slow down, find your niche. But times have changed. And you, well, it's not healthy. You'll burn yourself up. We cut to a shot of Bruce Wayne holding a... It looks like a wolf. Yeah, but I think it's supposed to be a sheep or something. No, I don't it's know. It's a dog. It's a dog. Okay, it's a dog. And it's a white, grinning. giant dog. He's grinning malevolently. Like, he's got basically yeah. an evil grin. Yeah. And Superman, and Clark says, I know, I know. You look better than you have in years. You're going to make me come right out and say it, aren't you? And Bruce says, nobody can make you do anything you don't want to, Clark. And I think he's always kind of hinting, like, you don't have to do what these people tell you. Yeah, yeah. These aren't the old days, Bruce. World's got no room for... It's like this, Bruce. Sooner or later, somebody's going to order me to bring you in. Somebody with authority. When that happens... When that happens, Clark, may the best man win. (laughs) And Bruce is like, no, that's just... Hold on a second. And he basically hears that... Nuclear war is brewing between America and Soviet forces on an island of Corto Maltese, basically like some kind of yeah. Latin American, fictional yeah. Latin American island. The island from the new Suicide Squad movie, if you saw that on HBO Max. Good plug. <laughs> are they our sponsors? They are sponsors. They send us millions of dollars. Every Kevin and episode. I have gotten millions of dollars for this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, Clark Kent, with his super hearing, hears that this nuclear war is brewing. I have to leave. We'll talk later. He flies off. Bruce says, no hurry. But um, yeah, it's a big threat. Like the threat. Created by King Kong versus Godzilla on HBO Max. <laughs> um, so we start to see Superman flying to deal with Soviet weapons. And it's the art is really great here. It's like a silhouetted Superman still with his cape red, mm-hmm. flying through a clouded sky, taking out missiles. Um, Can I read this little yeah. Alfred exchange right before that? Yes. Uh, Alfred's fun. So this is right after Bruce has d- dealt with Superman. Yeah, Alfred is like helping Superman take his coat off. And Alfred says, your accountants wait in the West Wing, sir. Batman says, tell them I'm sick, Alfred says. Shan't have to lie. That refugee charity called, write them a check. And the Committee for the Prevention of Obsessive Behavior in Middle-Aged Men, write them a check. Very good, sir. Your sense of humor is as keen as ever. Yeah, it's a good joke from Frank Miller. It's really good. I love it. His, his Alfred is really fun throughout this comic. But um, yes, uh, Superman, silhouettes, fighting jets, yawn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's really I think fun. we should uh, take a break here. Okay, let's do it. A break like you can take on HBO Max. <laughs> You're earning that million. Yeah, well, it's tough. 
screw it. We're just going to talk about comics as partnered with Shortboxed. Shortboxed is an app and a website where you can safely buy and sell graded comics online. They're trusted by the most respected dealers and collectors in the industry. As part of our partnership, we're going to be doing periodic giveaways. Uh, Their first giveaway is Dark Knight Returns number one. This is the 2018 foil cover edition, but it's signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, and it's graded 9.8. It's worth over $300 on most uh, things that value those sorts of things. Nice. So to enter this contest, go to shortbox.com slash screw it and enter your email. That's going until March 10, 2022. Everybody go ahead and do it. It's free. No purchase necessary. They will send you a coupon with a $15 of credit if you want to buy something at Shortboxed, but that's up to you. Yeah, but if you get a coupon, you got to use it. That's that's a law. You got to use all your coupons. Yeah. Kevin, if you were going to buy something from Shortbox today, what might you go shopping for? You can get anything you want. I'm going to get something with a piece of like gold oh, attached to it. Yes, or, I should have, yes, um, I should have said you can't make those kind of conditions. You have to actually just pick a comic book that you want for the comic I itself. I see. So nothing with secret riches or a treasure map. That was my next choice. I don't think they have such things on Shortboxed. I, mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at every listing. I haven't searched for hidden jewels on the app, but mm-hmm. I assume that's just not one of the comics they have. Well, if I can't ask for one with a treasure map in it, I will ask for Amazing Spider-Man 18. I believe hmm. that's the the middle of the cowardly Spider-Man arc as I'm going to dub it right now. Okay. So 17 is the one where he runs away from a fight with the Green Goblin because he hears Aunt May is in the hospital. And 19 yeah. is where he suits up again and fights. But 18 is the issue in between where he spends the whole issue like hiding from action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he can't risk hurting himself while Aunt yeah. May depends on him so much. And it is so fun. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, just for Jonah Jameson's pure happiness. <laughs> I remember it. I mean, when we covered uh, all the Spidey issues, I remember we sort of discovered like, oh, this little three issue run is a great mini arc back in the original Amazing Spider-Man issues. Yeah, uh, it's it's so fun. So I think about it a lot. Uh, mine would be Fantastic Four 232. This is the first issue that was written and drawn by John Byrne. And I love it. I, I love that whole era of Fantastic Four. I love that issue in particular. So it's got kind of personal, you know, significance to me. Diablo is the villain. I just remember thinking it's really fun. I would I would get that issue. You love potion-based villains. They're uh, they're my weakness. What can I say? Uh, that is a great run. John Burns' whole run. It's just there's something both new and classic about it at the same time. It's just so great. Glad you started talking because I was trying to think of other potion-based villains and I was really <laughs> coming up short. I gotta hope there isn't one, but <laughs> I mean there probably is. So everybody, um, please enter the contest and download the app and uh, check it out. Let's get back to the show now. Uh, are back. Um, I want to say one thing about Superman fighting Soviet missiles and stuff. Yeah, and I want to say something about White Lotus. So um, <laughs> I'm done. I'm In the done. no, I keep it up. I love it. We, we don't have enough jokes. We're comedian-ish. We're not even reaching our comedian-ish level. Um, I uh, mid '80s, right? Like the Evil Empire, Reagan versus the Evil Empire, was something that was really like forefront of the news. Like you were constantly being told to be scared of nuclear attacks from the Soviet Union. And this was like big in pop culture. There was that movie The yeah. Day After. There was like pop songs where like U2 or Sting or something mm-hmm. would sing about like getting rid of the nuclear missiles. Is that mid-80s? Is that early 80s? When is that? Because I didn't feel like I didn't hear that. Oh, uh, I mean, as I... soon as Ronald Reagan took office, it was basically like Ronnie's yeah. going to take down the Russians. Like mm-hmm. Ronnie will like not back down. And that means nuclear war. But like Duck and Cover was earlier. Duck and Cover was the 50s, like oh, okay. post Hiroshima. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Um. Uh, but like, but basically, 
it was like Ronald, you know, we had Jimmy Carter's president. No one believes he's going to push the button. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's true. But then you got Reagan, the tough talking, self-styled John Wayne president. Mm-hmm. Um, a big fear or hope, I guess, is that he wouldn't back down from the Russians and that it would it would be imminent, that like it would come to a head. And so, I, I yeah, I think that was a, a true, I don't think that's just me. I think that was like something yeah. about the 80s. I don't know. As an 11-year-old, I didn't feel like, um, I didn't feel that. But things, I was also things very like young. war games, like the computer launching yeah, the Cold missiles. War was definitely a thing like, oh, we're stockpiling missiles so that if we don't do it, then they will fire on us. But we're doing it. And uh, it never felt like it was going to happen. I don't know. Something just sort of being like a lot of posturing is what it felt like even to me as a kid. I, I bring it up to say, like, the image of Superman getting involved with mm-hmm. Soviet missiles is sort of a powerful one, I guess. Like, sure. it is both either like. It's kind of a mixture of like a fantasy that like yeah. Superman would protect us, but also maybe kind of scary to think that he would be involved. Right. This like super powerful figure and would amp it up even more. Sure. I I think that the Dark Knight with having Superman get involved and then later Watchmen having Dr. Manhattan get involved mm-hmm. seemed both like kind of like gutsy adult, but also sort of earned by the yeah. time. Um, well, it's also interesting. Watchmen played it as... Dr. Manhattan is the ultimate nuclear weapon, right? Yes. And America has the only one. So no war is going to happen because Dr. Manhattan exists. is protecting America at all times. And then when he leaves, things go to chaos. Right. Because so everything just, immediately start like invading countries. Because they're one chance. Where in this comic, it feels like it's not slowing anything down. Superman is just there to get involved when it happens. Yeah. Uh, both of them seem to amplify the war. Yeah. Um, not unlike Superman 4, Quest for Peace. <laughs> Available po- on HBO Max. Possibly on HBO Max. It seems like the sort of thing they'd have. <laughs> I think it might be on Disney. Um, no way. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, all right. We're getting to the Joker now. So the Joker is getting ready for his TV appearance. Mm-hmm. The super dumb Bartholomew Wolper, hey, I'm okay, psychiatrist, has lobbied for this. The Joker can't wait. He's talking to his bombs guy in Arkham, getting ready. Um we also see Bruce asking Alfred to pick up Carrie, Kelly, Robin. Her last class is about to end. Go get Robin, Alfred. And should Miss Kelly have better ways to spend her evening? Batman's response, there's nothing better. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's really cool. Um, Carrie Kelly cannot wait to be picked up. She loves being Robin. Yeah, she leaps into the car excitedly. Um, so everybody's converging on David Letterman Studios. The Joker's heading there with his mind control lipstick. We don't know if that's what it is yet, but he's yeah. putting a special lipstick. He does make a big uh, point to say it's his own lipstick. I brought my own, which the therapist says, wonderful to see you show such interest. Batman and Robin are approaching in some massive military-grade Batcopter. Ellen Yindel has got cops surrounding the buildings. Uh, this helicopter stuff's great, Well, You can't keep skipping by all my favorite parts. Okay. Uh, Batman says to Robin there, if anything goes wrong, just say boosters into the mic. It's voice-activated computers. You wouldn't understand. Robin is sort of arms behind her head, says, figure I wouldn't, which is slang for, yes, I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, set up straight, Robin. Yes, sir. Um... But she's she's aware there's a cloaking device, and he's like, "How did you know about old news, boss?" So she seems very confident with the understanding of this helicopter, which is really fun. 
Um, Joker's getting ready to go on stage. Uh, the bomb guy has got his weird sentient Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy style dolls flying into the sky. They also fly. Right. Batman is leaping onto this building where he knows Yendel's going to be waiting with cops, but he needs to do it. He needs to stop the Joker. Says to Robin before he jumps out, I will not teach you the program. Touch those controls and you're fired. Yep. Um, we've already seen in this issue what Robin does when given a direct order. She obeys them if she thinks it's right and breaks it if she thinks it's she right. She does what's right. She's a superhero. Um, uh, and then Batman sort of is soaring down to the building with a big, uh, like from a megaphone or whatever. Batman, you are under arrest as he approaches the building. Yeah, you are surrounded. Do not move. Batman, fighting cops. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, but it's been 20 years. Even my thermite is old. But he seems ready for it. Kind of smoke yeah. bombs the roof and like clouds them all and is taking a couple of the cops out and yeah. Yindel tells the cops rush him they're like rush him <laughs> and her response is he's twice your age boy find the nerve yeah she's not afraid um this is like a really fun comedy there's always like two or three things going on at the same time yeah because while this is happening we also see Joker being introduced on the David Endocrine show slash Letterman. Um, it is sort of funny, his uh, Miller's take on what David Letterman would be like with the Joker, which is like kind of smug and not taking it seriously. Yeah. Seems to be sort of in a weird way making fun of Letterman in a way that I don't quite. Yeah. I mean, it's at least making fun of talk shows and celebrity yeah. talk shows. What can I say about our next guest that hasn't been said before? Paul? Cut to a Paul Schaefer look like he's a kook, Dave, a maniac, a real lunatic. No, I mean it. He's a nut. Um, I guess that's kind of darkly funny to say about the Joker. <laughs> yep. While this is going on, Robin is typing in the helicopter. She's up to something. Um, Joker sits next to Letterman. Uh, Bartholomew Wolper loves being on TV. Is right at his side. Uh, Letterman, sorry, David Endocrine (parentheses Letterman). You're said to have only killed about 600 Joker. Now, don't take this the wrong way. 600 people. 600 people, Joker. But don't take this the wrong way. I think you've been holding out on us. Uh, and the Joker says, "I don't keep count." Yeah, I'm going to kill everyone in this rude. In this room. And the uh, endocrine's response is, now that's darn rude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, meanwhile, Batman's still fighting cops. He can't get down there in time. Like, this is all going on and he's not down there. There's also a Dr. Ruth Westheimer lookalike guest on this show, which Dr. means Joker. Is, it West, what, is that her last name? Yeah. I just never knew. I guess I just, just called her Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth Westheimer, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're right. I don't know. Um, she was a, like, kind of a ubiquitous celebrity uh, guest in the 80s. She'd be on SNL constantly and like talk shows and game shows. Um, uh, the flying doll bomb is <laughs> approaching the building, crashes through a window and smoke starts foaming out of its mouth. Uh, Robin orders the copter in closer on the Batman versus the cops battle. So um, she has reprogrammed it to listen to her voice. Billy in close, she says. She's also taught it slang, I yep. guess, with those keystrokes. Uh, the Joker is making out with Dr. Ruth using his mind control lipstick. She has been saying that sexual repression was Batman's problem. And now the Joker weird thing is making her face contort into a grotesque smile. It's yeah. kind of the Joker move. This might not be mind control lipstick. That might be a later lipstick. This lipstick just might just be Joker venom. Okay. It's, My bad. It's unclear. Because there's no mind control happening here. She just gets the giant Joker grin. and. Okay, right. So it's Joker venom. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say uh, Miller's – Miller works better. Miller's not good at 
subtle nuance. Like I think that Alan Moore would do a better takedown of David Letterman. This is kind of broad. Yeah. I mean, like I, I mean it as a weird compliment. Like Alan Moore in a couple of panels just would have a mm-hmm. finer feel for how yeah. to make fun of a talk show where Miller's kind of taking cheap, easy shots. Like it's almost just sort of like a scary movie level parody where he's throwing in every celebrity. Yeah. I definitely don't see this as targeting David Letterman directly. It's definitely targeting David Letterman's look and yeah, mannerisms. Yes, yes. Yeah. It feels like it's just targeting Hollywood. But even that, it just feels kind of like yeah. easy. Like, sure. Um, I'm, in the future, Frank Miller would do stuff not as good as The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And I think it's because moments like this start to take over. Like, this works. I think it doesn't work, but it is small. We are mostly looking at Batman versus the cops, the arrival of Superman, the emergence of Robin. And so we don't, well, we think it's kind of fun to see these celebrity appearances. I mean, how old is Frank Miller when he did this comic? Do you think he liked Letterman or didn't like Letterman? He's 30. Probably didn't care. Yeah. Um, but he picked Letterman to draw. Yeah, it's not Carson. Yeah. Um, Which would be the only still, other choice. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, Letterman was kind of the new hot thing, yeah. right? Like, the Letterman show was, like, five years old and was kind of revolutionary. Yeah. Um, it's a cooler pick to have in your comic book. Yeah, definitely. It's a more it's a more fearless pick. That's what makes me think he liked Letterman. Like, or at least he acknowledged Letterman was cooler. Yeah, maybe. Anyway. There's something, I'll say this, it's gutsy. The same way it's gutsy to show Superman, like, attacking Soviet missiles. Like, to draw the president looking like Ronald Reagan, to draw the talk mm-hmm. show looking like Letterman is kind of like, you're going for it. Yeah. You're not doing an easy generic thing. I mean, this comic weirdly takes place in the year it came out, but just like an alternate reality where Batman is 55. Yeah. And, it, you know, superheroes had started whenever the comics started, I guess. So Batman's not able to get in the... He basically gives up. Yeah. Uh, Robin saves him uh, by coming in clo- close with a cop- chopper and uh, Disabling the up. cloak. Uh, Batman gets in the chopper and goes, boosters, boosters. What? That's not responding to his voice at all. Robin just says, peel. And the boosters kick in. Um, Batman, full speed to the cave. We'll switch to the cycle. And Robin just says, I'm not fired. Batman sort of smiles a little bit and goes, you're not fired. So she disobeyed, but he doesn't care because she did a good job. She made a good decision. Meanwhile, Joker has the the little sentient dolls that have flown into the studio. He's riding one around like um, a... <laughs> he's riding one of these. And these dolls make no sense. I guess they're also super strong. Uh, this this thing with firing Robin reminds me of um, a cool uh, Robin story that Tom Taylor did where Batman uh, has Damian Wayne as the current Robin in the story and basically is training him and does the gauntlet, which is a established thing that he's that uh, there's been a couple Robin stories about where Robin is like left in the city for the night to do something. And in this specific one, he's like he drops Robin off. He goes from here it should take you about two hours to get back to the cave and then takes off. And Robin's like, I'm going to do it in one. So Robin's like leaping through the city, but then sees a crime and stops to fight the crime and keeps kind of getting pulled into fighting crimes. And he's like watching his time. He's like, ah, and he gets there and he, it takes him like 12 hours to get there or something. Yeah. Uh, he shows up. He's like, ah, I failed. I guess I'm not Robin. And Batman's like, I didn't say you had to beat that time. Like that was never explicitly said how long you needed to be here. Like, he passed because he kept stopping to fight crime. Mm. That was the test. But it was a very cool thing where Robin felt like he was under this test. Yeah. And just like, I can't not fight these crimes. And that was the whole point of it. And, like, that stuff's very cool when they do fun stuff like that with yeah. Batman. He's like, he is giving you rules. But really, he just wants you to be good. Yeah. Um, 
You never know, though. Batman's a tough boss. Sit up straight. Even Carrie Kelly knows to mm-hmm. say yes, sir. Um, okay, so Joker has killed everybody in the studio of David Endocrine, including David Endocrine and the Paul Schaefer lookalike. And the therapist. Yep. Um, Joker free, hundreds dead after this. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Superman is throwing tanks around. Uh, yes, in Corto Maltese. Uh, he's, but he's thinking about he's thinking about Bruce Wayne. They'll kill us if they can, Bruce. Every year they grow smaller. Every year they hate us more. We must not remind them that giants walk the earth. As he like holds a tank over his head. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a weird action comics number one parallel. Like instead of holding a car over his head, he's holding a tank over his head. It's not explicitly looking like that, but his pose is kind of action comics one. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks it looks awesome. <laughs> um. Okay, so now the Joker's free, and Yindel is begun to smoke. Uh, Batman did not stop the Joker, but also didn't get captured by Yindel. And we get a little complicated here. The Joker visits Selina Kyle, which is the Catwoman. Right. But who is now running a prostitute service? Yeah, she's never called Catwoman. It's Kyle Escorts. We know it's Selina Kyle. If you know that's who Catwoman is, it's clear. But it's never otherwise said. Right? Yes. Um... Frank Miller is quick to put prostitution in his like crime, oh, yeah. his crime stories. Like Sin City is basically a city of prostitutes. Yeah, this is the least amount of prostitutes in a Frank Miller story. <laughs> yeah, it's really, he's showing a lot of restraint. Yeah, um, Selena Kyle. So now the Joker has mind control lipstick. I didn't quite understand this when I first read it, but what happens is he kisses Selena Kyle, putting her under his mind control, mm-hmm. so that he can then get one of the escorts to be under his mind control because she's going to be with a senator. Well, he he tells her to call Elsie in, so I think Joker also kisses Elsie. Right. Uh, and then probably gives her the lipstick or something. I don't know. What, what, yeah, she kills This is senator. like by controlling the prostitutes, he has access to politicians. Right. So he gets a senator to try to kill himself, or, and does kill himself. Yep. Like, wraps himself in an American flag, stands on the ledge of his apartment. We got a full nuclear strike on Cordo Maltese. We're bastards. Let's act like it. The cops try to save him, but they... It's another politician wrapped in an American flag. We had the general earlier, and now we have the senator wrapped in a flag. Frank Miller knows what to do with politicians. They're cowards. Wrap them in an American flag and make them commit suicide. Yeah. It's the second time it's happened in this series. <laughs> yeah. Ellen Yindel's investigating it. Up walks Lieutenant O'Halloran, this older man. She shoes away the press, but she tells Lieutenant O'Halloran, the girl with him is from Kyle Escort. She's been drugged. Shut the joint down. Pick up Selena Kyle. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. And then another Lieutenant Halloran walks up. Seconds Ellen, later. Next panel. Yeah. Ellen Yindel realizes the first Lieutenant Halloran is Batman in disguise. Stop that man. It's and, a very fun uh, sequence. And so now Batman in disguise as an old lieutenant on a motorcycle with Carrie Kelly escaping for the second time. Ellen Yindel and her cops. Yep. They got to go to, um, I guess, uh, Kyle, well, I don't know. Where He's going to Kyle and uh, escorts to talk to Catwoman. Uh, while Superman continues to fight tanks and missiles and explosions. Um, Batman meets up with Selina Kyle, his old love interest Catwoman. She says, um, Bruce, he's worse than ever. Talking about the Joker. She's been beaten to hell, tied up. She's dressed up like Wonder Woman, confusingly. Yep. Um, she warns Batman, Mary, she's with the governor, meaning another escort mm-hmm. that Joker has under control is going to the governor. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that when I read it quickly, I don't catch any of this. Like, the plot here of Joker using Kyle escorts to get to politicians, I sort of almost, it doesn't land with me. Like, it's too confusing. Yeah, 
but the the important clue is Robin finds cotton candy. That's like an old Scooby Doo like clue. Yeah, which lets Batman know that something's happening at the carnival. Joker wants to get caught, right? This is why the- would Gotham City have a carnival? Yeah, why would they have anything fun? It's the city is constantly filled with death and violence. It's like, let's open a carnival. It's like, no, it's going to be bad. It's not going to go well. If you want to go to a carnival, go out to Central City. Yeah. But nope, Gotham's got a carnival and Joker is at it. So uh, Batman and Robin, uh, Ellen Yindel catches up with Batman and Robin mm-hmm. at Kyle Escorts. But the Bat Wing, which is different than the Bat Copter. Yeah, it's like a sort of a flying hang glider. <laughs> Uh, shows up and rescues them. So Batman and Robin escape from Yindel for a third time this issue. Yeah. But while they're flying away, Batman calls Yindel on her radio. Commissioner, this is Batman. <laughs> so he somehow is able to patch into her radio and talks to her. So, Commissioner, this is Batman. The governor's life is in danger. I haven't time to save him. It's up to you. And she looks kind of crestfallen because she knows that she has to do that. Yep, she's going to And she's maybe beginning orders. to realize that, like... Yeah. We shoot. Am I going to have to be working with Batman? I don't want to do that. She's got to save the governor and he knows this and she didn't know that. So that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. She's very quickly. It's a crash course in Batman 101. So Yindel's distracted momentarily. Batman is off to the fair where the Joker is. Superman's fighting fighting missiles. We're approaching the climax of this book. Yeah. Uh, The Joker and his bomb maker giving cotton candy to a bunch of kids. They'll be dead soon. Um, yeah, there's all these Boy Scouts running to get free cotton candy from the Joker. You'd think they might know what the Joker looks like, but I guess they don't. Nope. Um, in the, in the animated cartoon, I think he's wearing a mask for this part. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in the Dark Knight Returns, it's just the gruesome image of the Joker in a free cotton candy stand. Yeah. Um, there's also a bit where, um, some of the mutants have started dressing like the Joker. I don't forget what that's said, but like, there's another sect of the mutants that have become Joker fans. <laughs> Uh, which is fun. Yeah, there's just constant gang formation in Gotham City. Yeah. Anybody shows any... I'm, not, I'm surprised there's not an Ellen Yindel gang. There might be. Um, so... We're also getting cuts to the news during all this, during this big carnival thing where Lana Lang is debating once again. She's pro-Batman and she says, Batman hasn't killed anyone. Like, why are we against him? He hasn't killed anyone. Right, that's going to be important soon. Um, but the anti-Batman people are like, that's sort of beside the point. He's mm-hmm. amping up the violence. He's a bad example. Uh, meanwhile, um, Joker and um, bomb maker dude having poisoned hundreds of, or I guess I'll just say dozens. Yeah, it seems like dozens. Of Boy Scouts are now on a roller coaster and they're putting a couple of their little robots on the Coke roller coaster and it starts off. I don't think that you would normally be able to walk up to a roller coaster while it's about to yeah. take off and just put... I mean, also, look at this roller coaster. Look at this roller coaster on this panel. <laughs> it is insane. <laughs> These tracks go every which that. way. You can see it in the background of the Joker giving up poison. There is no supports. Shot. The top of page 36 of issue three. It's in, it, is a, um, it is a poorly designed roller coaster. <laughs> Um, I guess that the roller coaster commission in Gotham is also corrupt. It is just a background image, but it is just, it feels like someone just tossed, like, it's like McFarlane drew some Spider-Man webbing. It's just so everywhere. Uh, no supports, no chains. It's, it's, it's hilarious. But a roller coaster is now starting. It's got bombs aboard. Right. And Batman is um, arriving. Yeah. And some of these bombs seem like just dolls that are bombs. And some of them are these flying, talking, living bomb children. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason which one's which. 
Uh, they send one of these flying bomb children after Batman, but he somehow takes it down. Takes it out immediately. We get a big splash page of Batman arrival on the Joker battle. Can you see it, Joker? Feels to me like it's written all over my face. I've lain awake nights planning it, picturing it. Endless nights, considering every possible method, treasuring each imaginary moment. From the beginning, I knew that there's nothing wrong with you that I can't fix with my hands. Nice attention to detail. Robin lost her glove earlier in the issue. She's still not wearing it. Um, Robin is assigned to sort of rescue the roller coaster people. I mean, she's been Robin for a day? Yeah. Okay. And she's uh, she's in this, uh, and she's doing somersaults and hand flips. Yep. Um, Joker's got a gun. Uh, Batman doesn't use a gun, right? He's got a gun, but... Uh, it's a, it shoots like a grappling, grappling hook. Grappling hook type of thing. Mm-hmm. Joker uses a smoke bomb fly. Basically, there's a lot of chaos here, but what it amounts to is Joker runs away from the melee with a batarang in his eye, and Batman chases him into a house of mirrors while Robin saves the roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, Batman throws a batarang in the Joker's eye during this. It's gruesome. It's gruesome. Um, during this battle in the mirrors, uh, this morning my son woke me up uh, just before he was supposed to get out of bed. He came into my room and picked up this comic from my nightstand oops. and said, Daddy, I have a question about this comic. I was looking at it yesterday. Oh, no. So he'd already been reading it. What's the red dot on Batman? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Let me find it. And he flips through and he finds a picture in this issue uh, uh, right here. Well, uh, a couple pages later where Batman has a huge gut wound and he's just bleeding through his costume. And he's like, what's that? Oh, my God. And now Cameron knows what blood is, luckily. So I basically could tell him Batman touched something sharp. Well, what did he touch sharp? Uh, he gets shot in this issue, and that's what it was. But I tell him uh, that the, these meters cut him because it seemed like a better answer. And it's, it's a confusing enough image. You could buy it. You could buy it. Uh, and it's you know, a good lesson to him to be careful be around Be careful of sharp mirrors, yeah. yeah. The idea of uh, my five-year-old, of a five-year-old son being like, Daddy, I was looking through your copy of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Sends shivers through me. Yeah. Well, there's, at least there's no, like, sex or uh, there's not much swearing. He can read, unfortunately. So he could, if he does stop to read it, he'll get them. Anyway, I, guess, it, I, I had it out because we're doing these podcasts. Well, so it's your fault. I take the responsibility. Um, I'm like Ellen Yindel. I don't duck. The, I don't duck. Yeah. I, and, I issue an arrest warrant for myself. <laughs> anyway, Batman and Joker fight in these mirrors. Joker shoots Batman in the gut. Um, He's trying to get hostages, but Batman is successfully getting the hostages away from him. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the Joker runs out of the House of Mirrors, and this is kind of funny. The Joker is saying as he runs away, this is too weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Uh, Robin is, meanwhile, still on this crazy roller coaster, and one of these bomb children is ticking. And she pulls out her slingshot, which is her only... She doesn't have batarangs or anything. She just has a slingshot, like Dennis the Menace or Bart <laughs> Yeah, but she's super good with it. She's able to hit one of the dolls with a stone, and it goes, like, tumbling, uh, somersaulting into the air, and it blows up safely away from the roller coaster. Right, and there's a cool caption here. So this guy who she's dubbed Slow Learner, who's been shooting at her, Slow Learner is out of bullets. I've got a chance. Out of bullets. Got a shot. Ace the bomb. Easy shot. Real good... And she misses. Real good, Carrie. Lunchroom or what? Uh, like you've got all like night. Like you've got all night. Some Robin, real cool. Just ace it. Easy shot. Easy. And then she hits it. So she's riding on a moving roller coaster. Yeah. Shooting a slingshot. Which are not the most accurate of things. After being um, shot, shot at. at and after and, doing somersault. And she does it. And she's been doing this again for a day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's good, right? She's real good. Uh, so she saves the roller coaster, folks. 
Now, the Joker is kind of shooting bystanders indiscriminately as he heads into the Tunnel of Love. That's always your metaphor of choice when you're in the Gotham Amusement Park. So that's where Batman and Joker are going to have their final battle in the Tunnel of Love. Uh, Meanwhile, Robin is being choked by this bomb maker guy. Uh, But then, like, he hits his head on, like, a low-hanging, I think another piece of track. I I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Um, And he falls and his head hits the tracks. And see this panel here? Cameron saw that panel and goes, oh, he touched something sharp, too. And it's an image of this guy's head bashing open on the track. I mean, thankfully, Miller's art is abstract and surreal enough that it's not 100% obvious what's happening here. But this man's head has been crushed. My son's nightmare tonight was just about dogs, though. So it's not about this stuff. Uh, But Um, yeah, Robin looks traumatized by this. This is the most terrifying thing she's gone through, and her face shows it. um, But she has survived it, and she did save the day. But she's, like, crying, and, I mean, it was bad. (laughs) It's bad news. Um, Uh, So Batman chases the Joker into the Tunnel of Love, which is an enormous cavern. And, you know, it's funny. So much stuff happens in this issue. The Batman-Joker fight is maybe five pages, but it is very climactic. Um, It's partly because we know that the Joker is the main Batman villain, uh, and they go at, they have a brutal fight. Joker stabs Batman in the gut like three times with a knife. Yeah, it's where he's been shot. So it's just, his stomach is just ripped open. Yeah. Uh, Batman starts poking at his eyes. Um, yeah. And he's like squeezing his head and then he basically breaks his neck. Yeah. May, like paralyzes him. Yeah. We don't know that in that moment. Like as a kid, it just felt like he killed him. And like his dying words are here, but he doesn't. He turns his neck just enough. Uh, there's witnesses who uh, scream and Batman thinks voices calling me a killer. I wish I were. And this is where it kind of like threads the needle a little bit. Right. Like Batman won't kill the Joker. But throughout this issue, he's been saying he's been keeping track of all the deaths going. These are all I caused. I've killed these people by not killing the Joker. Yeah. So it seems like he's going to kill him, but he doesn't actually kill him. Right? Yeah. He only I guess, he can't quote, do it. He, he wants to kill the Joker, but he can't do it. So he maims him. Joker's paralyzed here. Once the witnesses run away, assuming that Batman has killed the Joker, the Joker kills himself. Well, the Joker, for let's just read this last dialogue, right? The Joker says, they're gone. The witnesses, I mean. I'm really very disappointed with you, my sweet. The moment was perfect, and you didn't have the nerve. Paralysis? Really? So that's the only place where we learn, like, he didn't kill the Joker. Just an ounce or two more of pressure, and do I hear sirens? Yes, coming close. You won't get far. But then it doesn't matter if you do. They'll kill you for this. And you, they'll never know that you didn't have the nerve. I'll see you in hell. With a devil's strength, he twists. Oh, now we're Batman's voice. With a devil's strength, he twists and twists. With what's left of his spine goes. And then he just starts laughing, that Joker laugh. And dies. Yep. And then the final caption is, Whatever's in him rustles as it leaves. The sirens echo through the tunnel, tires screech, the world's growing dark and cold. Yeah, Batman is bleeding out, standing over the dead Joker, and the police are coming for him. They're going to see that he killed someone, that he's finally crossed the line that Lana Lang has said, like, hey, no matter what you say, he's never killed anyone. And now he has killed somebody. As we've said a couple of times on this podcast, it seems like this would be an okay one to look the other way for, but... It's, pretty, it's made clear that this is bad news for yeah. Batman. Um, that's the issue. You know what? I th- having read it, I think this is the weakest issue. The art is even the most shaky. The art feels the most unfinished. I wonder if this was like deadline pressure or something. Well, didn't, did these comics come out on time? I don't remember. I know Watchmen got more delayed by the end. I don't remember about Dark Knight Returns. It feels like the sort of comic that wouldn't come out monthly. 
Uh, yeah, um, it feels. I don't know. Just, just look. I, I don't know the circumstances, but this art looks a bit more rushed than the other ones. Why wouldn't you just wait for it all to be finished before you release it? It's not like this is tying into the books. It could come out any time. I just think like this was the beginning of these kind of things. Yeah, and they just didn't know. It was just in the culture. You release issues. Yeah. Um, it might have been at one point going to be released as part of the Batman regular comics, and only they only decide. Who knows? Maybe they only decided at some point to do it as his own thing. It was yeah. so unique. It is the weakest issue, and it gets away with a lot, I think, because like people probably were excited to read this issue because it's the Joker issue. Yeah. Uh, and just having the Joker in it would make it more exciting. It almost and like Superman does some of the shows heavy up lifting. too. Yeah. Though I still think my favorite parts of this issue were all the Robin stuff. Like Robin I think you're right. I, I agree with you. Having becoming part of the team and the helicopter stuff and the, the roller coaster sequence. It's the most confusing one, and just in terms of what happens in the plot, a yeah. ton happens in this issue. I do think the art is a bit weaker. I guess, you know, this is a bit of a misstep within the context of this incredibly great comic. I mean, the only thing you gain by the Joker killing all these politicians is it takes Yindel off the stage long enough for Batman to kill the Joker. Yeah, before you... this, he couldn't even get to the Joker. Yindel was always in the way. So now Yindel's gone, dealing with the governor. He can, he can quote, unquote, kill the Joker, and now Yindel can show up having saved the governor. I guess it's one of those things where... Frank Miller has thought through this story more than us, the reader, yeah. I would say. Like, he is maybe answering questions that I would not have the first mm-hmm. time I read it. But on subsequent times, I appreciate things like that. Like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. made Yindel both super competent, but found a reason that even a super competent commissioner has to give him time. Yeah. And as we said on the first episode of this season, this is a dense comic. Yeah. And this, like Watchmen, it's so great they came out the same year. Are books that are really good rereads. Like some comic, I reread a lot of comic books, less now that I have a kid, but I used to, my favorite comics are the ones that I was like, I'm going to read this five, six, seven times because I enjoy it so much. And comics in general mm-hmm. are quicker reads than a book. So it's easy to reread. Like uh, even a volume of Sandman, it's like, oh, I can just pick this up and reread it again. Uh, the Nightwing run that Chuck Dixon wrote, I read that like three or four times through beginning to end because it's just, it's just such a quick, fun read. Uh, but this is like a good read because each time you read it, you catch more than you missed last time. Watchmen's definitely that's true for because that's such a depth, deep, 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 dense book. And this also has that like you read, you're know, like, oh, I missed this little television thing that foreshadows this other thing. Yeah. Oh, Lana said right in this moment, he's never killed anyone like five pages before he gets framed for killing somebody to let you know how important it like all that stuff clicks in better on rereads. Maybe that was part of what the impact of these books were, was they just stepped it up in terms of what they asked of us as readers. They were like, look, we are writing an adult story using these characters that were made for kids, but we've loved them since we were kids. We still love them. What if we made a story that needs an adult to read it? Yeah. Even the great Alan Moore Superman stories, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow and For the Man Who Has Everything. Yeah. Those aren't like dense, I need to read, I don't think I caught everything. It's like, it's there. It's pretty clear what's happening. Yeah, Whatever throughout. Happened to the Man of is pretty simple. There is a lot of Krypton mythology. Yeah. Uh, that is sort of, but yeah, yeah. You get the main thrust of it really But easily. when you reread it, you're just rereading and enjoying the story. You're not like, oh. Right, right, right. But you get in this and Watchmen where it's just like, oh man, I missed this. Like like a good movie or a great novel, you'd reread it or rewatch it and just be like, oh man, I missed how this opening sequence sets up, uh, uh, parallels the ending sequence. Right. Or whatever. Because I didn't know how it ended when I saw the sequence in the <laughs> yeah, beginning right, or whatever. Right. Um, it's really fun to reread and it's fun to be swept up in in the 
just hyper badass Batman. Mm -hmm. Next episode, we're going to talk about Batman fighting Superman, which has become almost a traditional battle. But at this point, it was either the first time or for sure the the biggest biggest time. time. It still is the biggest time. But it was the one that I think inspired every other time they fought. And it is an incredibly exciting issue. And what an ending to a great story. I can't wait to talk about it. And have you been wondering, where's Green Arrow during all this? That's my question. That's the issue that answers it. (laughs) So we'll uh, see you next episode. Please email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com. Com? Did I say com? Twitter. Or Cobb. (laughs) We're we're on Twitter at screwitcomics and Instagram at screwitcomics. So please let us know what you think about Batman or The Dark Knight or Frank Miller or anything. Well, and what would you say, if you're still listening, what, what's the third book in this Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, what's the third? Things come in threes. I'm not, we're not going to answer that. I want okay, people yeah. who are listening, if they have an idea of what that could be. Yeah, let us know. Because uh, I think there's a lot you could say that fit that category. I'm thinking of some. So let's hear, let's hear um, what uh, people's answer is. Especially perfect, I think, if it came out in those late 80s. Right. Anyway. Uh, that's it. See you guys next episode. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. Just gonna talk about comics. Hi, I'm Eve Sturgis, and I am so excited for season four of my podcast, Everything's Relative, coming at you March 4th from Campfire Media. Every week I have a new guest with an amazing story. I talk with people like Erin Jackson about her gorgeous magazine, Peter Bunny about his best-selling book, Heidi Marble about her project for adoptees. I talk with this guy named Ryan who blew me away with his honesty and his super cute Scottish accent. Come find out how people think they know who they are until they don't. And it could happen to you. DNA testing is changing everything. March 4th, subscribe and listen. Campfire.